Yes, thank you, Whitney. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We are uh, in the summer officially, and for our summer series, we are going to take a look at two different books, and we're going to hear from a lot of different people. We just spent five months in the book of First Peter, and uh, so for the summer, we are going to look at Proverbs, and we're going to look at Psalms. You're going to hear from a couple of different people. Next week, you'll hear from Jeff Hill, uh, who is... Uh, the church planter that we're supporting in Norristown. Uh, he'll be speaking on Psalm 78. Uh, the week after that, you'll hear from Ryan Ayer, and then we have a couple of other guest speakers lined up uh, throughout the summer who will preach on their favorite psalm or a favorite passage from the book of Proverbs. I'm going to focus on the book of Proverbs uh, when I speak, and the way I'm going to do that, there's a lot of ways that you could break up the book of Proverbs. Uh, you can break it up by characteristics, by behaviors. You can break it up by authors. There are at least three or four contributors to the book of uh, Proverbs. Uh, but I'm going to take a view that uh, analyzes some of the main characters in the book of Proverbs. You might not have even thought that the book of Proverbs is really a character sketch, but it, it highlights characters. I think I provided for most of you in the room a handout. There's not enough for everybody. I apologize for that. But it has four pages of all the different characters listed in the book of Proverbs. We're not going to go through that today. Uh, we, that would basically be reading one chapter 1 through 31 all together today. Uh, but we are going to refer to it throughout the summer. I just provided that for you. And if you didn't get one, uh, there's a couple on the table back there. You can pick one up on your way out. I won't refer to it during the message. But when I speak during the summer, uh, I'm going to be taking a few of those characters, the sloth, the lazy one, the sluggard, the simpleton, the one uh, who is prudent, the righteous, the wise, uh, the greedy, the glutton, the drunkard, all the things, the liar, the one who doesn't know how to use their words, all those different character um, characters that are described in the book of Proverbs, you're going to see on those lists that there are some characters get 20 or more verses. And so we're going to try to identify uh, who you are, and so I'm going to ask you to come up and say, I'm just kidding, I won't ask you to do anything, you don't have to confess anything, uh, just in the secret of your heart, as the Holy Spirit says, uh, this may be an area of your life that I want to sandpaper or, for some of us, chisel away the rough edges and uh, make you more like Christ. And the way to do that is to see yourself like a mirror. So Proverbs can be like a mirror. And once you know the character quality, it's like one of those tests that you take online uh, or a, a personality test where you answer all the questions and now you know sort of your personality. And once you do that, you can see yourself more clearly and you kind of recognize tendencies. Well, once you know who you are in the book of Proverbs, you're able to kind of dial in on the, some of those key Proverbs. And the basics about Proverbs is it's supposed to give you skill for life. You see, a wise person wasn't wise because they had lots of knowledge. A wise person was wise in Judaism, in ancient Israel, because they were smart they were intelligent, they were wise, but they knew how to live. It was skill for living. You may have seen people who uh, can tell you what to do or, or can advise you on what to do, but they don't follow their own directions themselves. Have you ever known anybody like that? A doctor who maybe uh, smokes or something and, and says you shouldn't smoke. But, but they can advise you because they have the head knowledge, but, but you wouldn't go to them because 
they're personally not really living it out. And so Proverbs describes the wise person who skillfully, wisely lives their life. It's a skill. You remember when Moses was leading the Israelites out of the uh, desert and God said He poured out His Spirit. He filled artisans with His Spirit. And it was used of them, this word wisdom. That they were so filled with the Spirit that they had a skill and an ability to do art, to uh, create, to build. And so it was always an action-oriented word, this wise, this wisdom. And so we want to learn how you can live a, a life of wisdom. How you can acquire skills for godly living. Proverbs is super practical that way. And so we're going to take a look at that this summer. There will be more introductory material as we go. Uh, but this morning, I'm going to focus in on chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 10 together, but we're going to sort of narrow down Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. So let me pray and then we'll begin. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that every word is true. We thank you that in Isaiah you say that your word goes out for the purpose for which you sent it. That it accomplishes that which you desire. And so we thank you, Lord, that as we hear your word today, uh, it is our responsibility as the listeners to test what we hear, to make sure that it lines up with your word. It's our responsibility to listen to the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus described as the parakaleo, the helper, the one who comes along beside us as the teacher, as the one who reminds us and teaches us and opens our eyes and our minds so that we can understand the Scripture. So I pray that you would give us the grace and the strength to be hearers uh, and to be appliers of your word today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, Proverbs gives us... uh, Wisdom for living, skill for living. And one of the better skills that you can acquire in the book of Proverbs is to have a a, a rock-solid trust in the Lord. A trust in the Lord. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been burned by somebody. Um, I had an experience where I had just become a believer. And uh, and while I was uh, growing in my faith as as my first sort of year as a believer, uh, I, I came upon this time in my life when um, we just, we couldn't afford rent anymore. Uh, my, my dad had, um, parents had divorced and my dad was somewhere else and we didn't know where to find him. He had stopped paying child support for uh, several months and my mom was working two jobs with five kids in a two-bedroom apartment and we were, we were just really struggling to make it. And, uh, and so eventually we got evicted. And um, at that time, I uh, we had one day to get out, and so we packed up all of our stuff, and uh, I found a place for my, as a sort of 17-year-old, I found a place for my mom and my little sister to stay uh, with my older brother and my older sister in their apartment, and then uh, my little brother and I, our plan was to put everything we owned into my little Suzuki Samurai, have you ever seen one of those? A very little car, uh, we put everything in the back of it. Uh, and we left that apartment, and our goal was to go find out where my dad was living uh, so that we could have a place to stay for a few days until we could have a plan. This was the best we could do, and so uh, when we found out, we sort of knew the area that he was living in, and so we sort of circled the area, and, uh, and we found out uh, where he was living, uh, and when we drove up 
to his sort of garage apartment in the back, um, there was this sort of classic Porsche car in the driveway. And uh, it was this awesome sports car. And when I found out it was his, we knocked on his door and he opened the door and there was this enormous TV and there was just an incredible bike. And there was all this, he was just totally living it up in luxury and had everything that he needed. It was all by himself and he had this cool sports car and he he was just living the life. And we had our bags with us and we said, um, you know, we had to come find you because we, we, we just got evicted. We don't have anywhere to live and wanted to know if we could stay the night tonight. And, uh, you know, he immediately felt guilty. All this stuff is going tomorrow. I'm going to sell and make this right. And uh, so we found some pallets and, and stayed the night there for a couple nights. You know, long story short, within a couple of weeks, nothing really changed and things only got worse. And so I couldn't stay there any longer, and I I moved into a friend's office. Uh, He had a break room. Uh, It was just him and a couple of other guys in the break room. And so he had a couch and a place where I could put a pallet out every night and a, a place to shower, you know, so I could sort of stay there. And I stayed there for three or four weeks um, in this place. And in that time period, and this has a point, I'm sorry to <laughs> belabor this whole thing, but um, during this time period, I found out what it was like to really have your trust wrecked. Have you ever had your, your trust in somebody wrecked? Where you had hoped for something? You know, maybe you had hoped for an outcome, or maybe you had hoped... Uh, that somebody would sort of step up and do the right thing, and instead of doing the right thing, they did the wrong thing. Has anybody ever been burned before? Yeah, it's probably one of the more common experiences in life, right? That we, we just get burned. And, and in the process of that, you learn to withdraw. Proverbs 4 says to guard your heart, right? It's the wellspring of life to guard it and to, uh, to not throw your pearls to pigs is what Jesus said, that you don't want to give what's most precious to you to somebody who's going to trample it. And so while there's biblical wisdom in uh, holding back, there's also a sense in which you should extend trust. But the skill I want you to learn here most clearly is the skill to trust is to trust in the Lord. Right? The object of your trust is the most uh, important part. Uh, To trust is incredibly important. And to have faith uh, in something that won't let you down is probably the greatest thing that you can have. Now, this is difficult for people. Why? Because you can't see God, right? You can't see Him. You can't touch Him. You can't, you can't hear Him with an audible voice. Um, and so, in many ways, trust in God is extremely difficult for a lot of people. But, but once you begin to develop a skill of trusting Him you'll find that He is more real and more faithful and more trustworthy than anybody else you could physically see, feel, hear, or touch. As a child, your main uh, instinct is to trust in your father, right? To trust in your mother, to trust in... But all of us have some degree of brokenness in our lives, whether it was a divorce in your family or whether it was uh, people who let you down or somebody who said they were going to do something, but they wounded you or they did difficult things. And it doesn't take very long for us 
Um, to get to a point where we might feel jaded or skeptical or extremely guarded in extreme situations. Um, but in all those ways, it's so important, Proverbs tells us, this skill that I want you to develop for living today is that you should not be guarded when it comes to your faith in God. And though you can't see Him, and though you can't hear Him, and though you've been let down, and though you've been disappointed, and though sometimes it may even seem that God has let you down, that you experience real pain, real trial, real suffering, real difficulty. Uh, just this week, Lily came up to me and she said, Do you know Psalm 119, what was it? 105. I said, well, if you start it, maybe. <laughs> and she started it and she said, um, what is it? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's super interesting about that passage that she memorized is it doesn't say that your word is like a beacon on my path, right? How many of us would rather have a huge Batman beacon that like shines the... This word is, a, is the same word that they would use for like a, a small lamp, a small thing that they would hold, not so they could see more than two steps ahead. And so God is asking you to trust Him when you, when you can't see. Trust Him when you can't see. Let's read the Scripture together. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So before we get to our key passage, you can see that God has given you um, anchor points or markers along the path, right? Did you pick them up? Don't forget my teaching. Don't let your heart, let your heart keep my commandments. Uh, these are two sort of steady um, signs along the path, things that will keep you grounded, things that will keep you together. That's why we always um, encourage you to be in the Word, to allow God's Word to dwell in your hearts, to allow it to be an anchor for your soul so that uh, when chaos comes into your life, you have these steady rock-solid anchors. A few years ago, a relative came to visit and he had just gone through a second divorce. Um, and in the process of that, uh, he said, I feel like one of those boats in Florida that has gone through this hurricane. And it's just a hurricane. And, and um, as we begin to read scripture and pray together for the week that he spent with us, uh, in the end, uh, we were able to describe how God's word can be like an anchor that even though things are in turmoil above, on the bottom of the surface, the, the Word is an anchor for you. It allows you to maintain stability in times of chaos and confusion. These are those sort of road marks. There's four of them here. My teaching, my commandments, my steadfast love, and my faithfulness. Those four things are traveling with you as you walk with the Lord on this path. And he says in verse 4, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And then our key phrase, or two verses we want to focus on, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him 
and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now, I love in these 10 verses all the good promises that are, are given to us here. Um, length of days, verse 2. Years of life. Peace they will add to you. Have you ever felt confused and um, anxious? Last a few weeks ago on Mother's Day, we preached about anxiety. Right? Cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. We can get so caught up with anxiety and fear, uh, and yet this promise of Scripture is that you will have length of days, years of life, and peace they will add to you. Steadfast love, let them and faithfulness not forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. And the next promise, verse 4, you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Verse 6, the promise is, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Verse 8, healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. In all these ways, we see these blessings that flow from this well of trust, of trust. Um, I could give you lots of words um, and lots of information about trusting in the Lord. It it really means to cast yourself down or to lie extendedly. Uh, It's to place all your weight on something. Um, I've told this story so many times that you'll probably roll your eyes if you hear me start it, but but I, I was on a, a, a frozen pond once, right? You've heard this a few times if you've been around me. But I was, I'd never been on a frozen pond. I got out to this frozen pond. I'm standing on the ground, and I could hear it creaking. You know, I could see it kind of swaying, and I thought, there's no way I'm going to step on that. So I grabbed a huge rock, and I chunked it as high as I could in the air and watched it crash down on the ice, and it didn't break through. I got sticks, and I'm hurling them out on the ice. Finally, I thought, if it can hold all that weight, surely it can hold mine. Um, and so if in my mind I always stayed on the shore and never stepped on the ice, would I be trusting that ice? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be having any faith at all. But it takes faith to step out on, on that thin ice, right? And so I did. And once I transferred my weight onto that ice, this is this idea of trusting. This is this idea of Trusting in God to put your full weight and dependence on Him because He will never leave you nor forsake you because He is hesed, He is faithful to you. Uh, He will not disappoint. And it doesn't mean that you won't have a difficult path. Amen? And many of you have had an extremely difficult path. Uh, You are plagued with Uh, difficulties and trials and suffering and some are short term some are long term others are um, breaking and shattering and and foundation rocking kind of trials we talked about that last week how those always have an expiration there's always a limit to the time of testing but our point here is that God is worthy to be trusted Uh, my little brother and I went to a camp and Colorado called Frontier Ranch and I think I was 18 I was a brand new believer um, and we got up on this I don't know uh, Mount Princeton it's a four, one of the three 14ers 14,000 foot peaks in the collegiate peaks and we had climbed up with a couple hundred other people at this camp and we got to this rock face and there was all this gear set up 
And it was a couple hundred feet down, and um, I had never rappelled before, but they put a helmet on, and uh, they put on um, a harness, and um, this guy grabbed this little narrow carabiner, um, and he clipped it in, and he clipped another one on backwards, and he, he tied a figure eight, um, and then he traced it back through the carabiner, and then retraced the, the figure eight, and then he just tied a simple knot, like you would tie on your shoe. Uh, on the top of that figure eight. And then he, you know, as if it was nothing, he just said, now just go backwards down the mountain. Uh, we're, uh, you know, we're above the tree line. We're, it's 14,000 feet where there's, uh, it's terrifying. And, and he gets you to the point where you're on the edge of this cliff face and you're looking backward down and you see the rope, the end of it is uh, wrapped around this guy's waist, you know, and you think, there's no way I'm going to trust this guy. And they, it's tied off to a rock, and it's like hammered in. There's a hundred things that could go wrong in the scenario. And in the midst of it, he says, just trust the rope. Lean back and put all your weight on the rope. And it's awkward at first because I'm sitting down. And you're not supposed to sit down. You're supposed to lay f- kind of flat back and then go... But what I found out was that rope was trustworthy. Thank God, right? Uh, I, I went down and it was the most fun I'd ever had. It was the most rush I'd had until that time. It was the most scary thing I'd ever done. But, but it was so terrifying to see just a simple knot tied into some fabric around my waist and to go off a mountain backwards. That feeling is what keeps many of you from trusting in God. It's that feeling. I can't see Him. I can't hear Him. And maybe you're not investing time in your relationship with Him. Maybe you're not trusting Him with big things. Uh, maybe you're, you're not trusting Him with your finances. Maybe you're not trusting Him with a marriage. Maybe you're not trusting Him uh, with a parenting situation. In all those ways, if you're not leaning back on Him and really putting your weight on Him, you're never going to know the joy of a straight path. If you're always leaning on your own understanding, your own wisdom, your own thoughts, and you're never, you're never leaning out in faith on God, you will never experience the straight path. And you're, I'm just going to tell you, your Christian experience, it will just not be very fulfilling. You'll always wonder, what am I missing? What am I not doing right? Why is, why is it hard for me to sing? Why is it hard for me to raise my hands? Why is it hard for me to love God? Why is it hard for me to read the Scripture? Why is it hard for me to... It it could deal with this one issue of absolute trust. Of absolute trust. Maybe maybe you're so high on your own opinion and your own viewpoint that, that you think there's no way I can trust God with something like this. Maybe it's a health issue, maybe it's a finance issue, maybe it's a family issue, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a career issue. Whatever issue is big in your mind, whatever that big sort of 200-foot rock face is, God may be calling you this morning to, to just to rest in Him. Just to sort of let go. To follow through with obedience if He's called you to do something. And in that way, In that way, you will experience a straighter path. Let me just close with the story I started with, because I don't want to leave you hanging. Uh, My dad is, you know, he's my dad, and and I know many of you have challenging relationships. 
But through that really difficult period, I became real bitter. You know, I just became real bitter. Uh, I saw God provide for me, you know, after staying a few weeks in my, my buddy's office uh, in the Primrose Building in, in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, a, a friend heard about my situation and uh, the church that I had just began to go to since I'd, I'd only been a believer for seven, eight months. They heard about my situation and my best friend in the world, Jay Windorf, bought a mattress. His parents bought me a bed and put it in his room. And for the next five months, we stayed in the same room together. And, and he became to me such a spiritual mentor and encouraged me. He was walking with the Lord for a long time. And I became to him sort of this laboratory of genuine faith where he saw not just Sunday school stuff, but real faith lived out as I was working through real bitterness and anger and hatred toward my dad. And, and uh, I got to a point where God was saying, this bitterness that you're holding toward your dad, this anger, this hatred, um, it will kill you. It's, it's like drinking poison and expecting uh, him to die, right? It's not, that's how bitterness and unforgiveness works. And so he was basically saying, Gibson, I need you to trust me and I need you to hand over all this anger, all this bitterness, all this rage, all this frustration. I need you to fully, 100% forgive your dad for everything he's ever done in the past, for everything he's done now, and for everything he ever will do for you and against you in the future. And I just need you to trust me with that. And it was a hard process. It was a very hard process. But in the end, a guy said, I want you to take a piece of paper and I want you to make two columns. One put dad, the other put you. I want you just to write all the things that your dad has done that have really wounded you. And I just said, yeah, I'll do that. I did it real quick, and I got to seven and eight and nine, and by the time I got to ten, I I noticed I was being a little petty. By the time I got to like twelve, I was like, there's just really not that much here. And he said, all right, in that second column, I want you to write every sin that you can remember that you've ever committed against God. Just in detail, write them all out, and and uh, I thought, oh man, that's going to take forever. And so I began to do it, and I, I got down, and I noticed I was running out of room, flipped the paper over, you know, kept writing, and, and by the end of it, uh, I had so many sins listed, and then he had me read this verse that, that, uh, that God has fully forgiven you, and so because He's forgiven you, He wants you to forgive others. And he said, now listen, if God can forgive you of all that, He read me that parable about the servant who owed a... Like, a million dollars and his boss forgave him and then he found another servant that owed him like 20 bucks and he, he, you know, he went after the guy. He said, if God has forgiven you of so much, shouldn't you forgive him of so little? And it was just, it was a straight path. It was to me peace. It was joy. It was to me um, trusting in God in something really, really difficult. And, and acknowledging that my dad is not a He's just a lost guy, right? He doesn't have the Holy Spirit. He doesn't, he's not a believer. He's not walking with the Lord. And then hurt people hurt people. That's what they do. And so through that process, I learned to forgive him. I don't know what God is calling you to trust him in today. I don't know what your situation is. Uh, I can't pinpoint what's hard for you, what your rock face looks like. Um, but I know that if it's hard for you, you're probably staring at a knot and you're saying, I, there's no way I can back down this mountain. Let me just encourage you that God is not like a person who has disappointed you. He's not untrustworthy. He is faithful and He is filled with love. If you ever doubt that He loves you, just just remember the cross. 
Just remember that he, he sacrificed his only son for you. And by doing that, he demonstrated once and for always that he absolutely adores you. He absolutely adores you. He loves you so much. And like a good father, he knows what's best for you. He, can, he has the spotlight. He can see down the road. You have the lamp to the path, and he already knows. He's already planned it out for you. And if you'll walk with him in faith, he will give you a straight path. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for how encouraging it is. Um, this is a difficult skill. This is a difficult thing to learn. And so for those who might be struggling with faith, would you give them the grace to step out? Maybe to take uh, one of those big issues that they're struggling with. Uh, maybe to take one of those uh, huge anxieties or fears or frustrations or relationships or financial situations it's so easy just to lean on our own understanding. It's so easy just to not trust in you. That's our probably our most natural thing as sinners. And so I pray that you would give us faith in, in you, faith that will allow us to walk in the straight good path that you have for us. I pray for that in the name of Jesus. Amen.